When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Story Behind the Song, the Consequence Podcast Network series where I interview the iconic artists behind the most iconic songs of the past few decades. I'm your host, Peter Chadi, and each month I dive deep into conversations with your favorite musicians of all time to get insights into the creative journeys behind their most popular and lasting songs. I also ask each artist about one of their personal favorite deep cuts from their own catalog, And in the process, these living legends reveal frequently surprising, never-before-discussed details about these songs and their creative journeys, as well as candid reflections about their personal triumphs and challenges. In this episode, I speak with legendary queen of percussion herself, Sheila E., who broke out onto the pop scene with a vengeance in 1984 with her classic song, Glamorous Life, one of many collaborations with Prince. But Sheila E. played with legends well before that time, kicking off her professional music career at age 15, playing with her father in Santana's band before thousands. And from that point forward, and ever since, this multi-Grammy-nominated icon fearlessly forged new pathways in the male-dominated world of percussion and played with virtually every name and in every genre of American music royalty. We all know about Prince, of course, But let's not forget Whitney Houston, Diana Ross, Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, and then on to Beyonce, Jay-Z, and Kanye, and then showing her incredible range with country stars like Reba McIntyre and Brooks and Dunn, and even to opera with legendary tenor Placido Domingo. All of these icons and so many more consider Sheila their peer. She is the quintessential artist's artist, and her life is a musical odyssey. I asked Sheila all about it, including the genesis of Glamorous Life and how it came to be with Prince in the studio. We also discussed Sheila's pick, one of her most recent songs, and one that shows her incredible range, titled Bailar, the salsa version she co-wrote with musician B. Slade and released as a single last year. So take a listen as we dive into the story behind the song with music legend, Queen of Percussion, Sheila E. Welcome, everyone. This is Peter Chotty. Welcome to another episode of the story behind the song for the Consequence Podcast Network. And today I am joined by the iconic great artist, Sheila E. Sheila, good to see you. Thank you. Nice to see you as well, Peter. Yeah, great to see you. Um, Where are you today? Uh, I'm in my studio. I'm in the lab. <laughs> uh, you, I like the lab. It looks good. Looks good. Thank you. Thank you. 
look at all those gold records on the wall. Yeah, there there are a few. There's a there's a bunch of them. There's some over there. There's some over there. There's some over there. Yeah, they're all around the room. That's awesome. That's where all the magic, at least some of the magic happens. Not all the magic, but where <laughs> right. some of the magic happens. Yeah. So, so Sheila, welcome to Story Behind the Song. And for everybody, uh, this is where I interview great icons of music, and we discuss two songs. We dig in deeply into two songs. One, one of the most iconic songs from the artist, and then the second one, and in this case, um, I chose Love Bazaar. Um, uh, actually, I did not choose Love Bazaar. I chose The Glamorous Life for this one. But, ah. Love, but Love Bazaar is another one that would be a, a great one to do. And then for the second song, I always ask the artist to choose anything that they'd like from their discography. And so in this case, the second song that Sheila chose was Bailar, the salsa, salsa version. So we'll find out why she did. Um, but first, I want to just... Give a little bit of an introduction, Sheila, um, because obviously you're a legend. You have um, you have multiple hits, multiple Grammy-nominated uh, artists. You've worked with the biggest legends in music. And rather than me say that, like, why don't you identify some of the legends that uh, that are peers of yours? And it's it's really a who's who in the music business. Oh yeah. I would have rather you said it. <laughs> okay, well, okay, well, I'll speak. I mean, speak. there's so many. Yeah, you say it. Okay, there's there's quite a few. Obviously, there's Prince, Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, Ringo Starr, Lionel Richie. But there's so many more that I could name. I'm I'm sure. Are there others that you'd like to identify? Yeah, the list is so long. There, uh, one day, my brother and I, I was going to do this little promo thing. I said, let's. Let's see how many artists I can put in like 60 seconds, you know, of all the people that I've performed, recorded, played with, whatever. And it kept going. I couldn't do it all. And I was speaking like, Lana Richie, Dino Ross, and I kept going. Yeah. I was like, we can't put them all in there. Um, there's, I mean, from Phil Collins to Whitney to Beyonce, yeah. Jay-Z, Kanye. Um, there's just, there, there's so many. Then you have Tito Puente, you know, uh, Celia Cruz. I mean, the list uh Brooks and Dunn country music you know yeah. Reba McIntyre I mean I've been able to play with so many people in different genres of music which is really uh a blessing to be able to do that you know uh, because I love all music and it's just been even Placido Domingo like I did a I don't know if it was the Oscars we did that one year uh, but to be able to play with him I mean you know just you never know <laughs> no, it's amazing. It really is incredible that you are, you have such an eclectic um, range. And yes. obviously the title, you are widely known as the queen of percussion. And that's, uh, you know, that's quite a title too. It's a, it's a business where, um, you know, you have been from the very beginning and there's a lot of DNA in your family that, that kind of started you off on that path. But listen, Involved in so many different things. I just saw you on the, um, I think it was on the Academy Awards. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you were in that band too. And that's just one of many. So great to have you today. Thank you. Thank you. I love that so, picture behind you. Uh, see, look at that. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I know that person. <laughs> For those of you listening out there, I have a picture of Sheila that's on the back in the screen. So first of all, as I always do, 
I wanted I want you to take me on a guided tour of your just a, a few things about your childhood and your you know, as I mentioned there's DNA of percussion in your family and of deep music roots in your family but take me through that a little bit uh, so we learn a little bit about the heritage of how this all began for you well my dad is Pete Escovito legendary uh, Latin jazz artist and uh, my uncle's um, at the time, back in the day, was Uncle Coke and Uncle Phil, Uncle Bobby. They all played percussion except Uncle Phil played bass. So my dad and my uncle had a band called the Escovito Brothers. Uh, my first performance was playing with my dad at five. Hmm. Um, I really didn't know what I had done. I mean, he said, he picked me up and I, I played congas in his band. But it was interesting because I don't remember that part. I more so remember getting dressed at my grandmother's house. And because I was all about fashion at five years old, I was like, oh my God, I have to wear my black patent leather shoes and, <laughs> and my little furly, furly white socks and this dress. Oh my God. Uh, I remember all that getting dressed. Um, but my dad had a band with, with his brothers and basically being around our house, my dad would like practice the LPs every day, like vinyl, you know, any artist that he loved and admired from Latin jazz to salsa to um, even R&B, uh, Motown, like he would just practice to vinyl LPs every day. And then, and I mean, literally every day he put on music and we hardly watched te television. Mm -hmm. um, and then they, he would have jam sessions, like having other percussion players come in and play with us or play with him. I should yeah. say, and then I would watch. And so like if, because I'm watching you, like you're, you're, you did this because that was your right hand. I'm looking at you in a mirror. So I would do my left hand. So whatever his right hand would do, I would copy in a mirror image and, and copy him with my left hand. Yeah. So if he played, I practiced on my lap, just watching him going, Oh my God, Oh my God, you know, watching him playing. And then he would get up and then I just get on the congas and go blah, 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 and not even thinking about it. And then once in a while, I'd say maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks, he would have his band or someone's band practicing in the middle of the living room. So we'd have a full on band with drums, bass, guitar, piano, percussion, you know. And so I grow up listening to live music. Oh, my God. I mean, what a gift that is and a blessing to be able to hear live music in your house yeah, every single day. It was, it was incredible. Um, and just learning from that is the reason why I play. I didn't know until later on, but that is the reason, just being around it and being a sponge and just absorbing and watching how they set up the, I mean, from production standpoint as well, how they set up the mics, their, the, the cables, the, the PA system, all of that. I loved all of it. Well, so... When did you start feeling proficient at percussion? At what age? Fifteen. Okay. Okay. Because I didn't, I didn't play. Basically, uh, during that time, I liked sports. My mom was loving sports, an athlete herself, basically, and um, so I just wanted to be an athlete. And I was playing soccer, running track training to be in the Olympics. Like, I mean, I love music, but that was not going to be my profession. I really, really thought I was going to win a gold medal. I mean, actually not really thought I believed that I was because I was 
when I go do something, that's it. Like, let's go. And yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I was breaking records in schools that hadn't been broken in 20 years. Like, that was really good. Very good. Good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't play a lot, but like in bands, but we jammed all the time because growing up in that environment, uh, people would call each other, hey, you know, they're going to go play drums. So-and-so's playing in Berkeley on the college, at the college um, or on the campus or over at so-and-so's park. And so we'd all get together and we just jammed. And then when other bands started playing, then I started asking, can I sit in? Can I sit in? You know, yeah, begging yeah. people. And um, and then I joined a local band at 14, but I joined the band to play drums. And I didn't know how to play drums. But the, the band called me and said, we heard your dad is in Santana, which he was at the time. And uh, we heard you play drums and we're a group that plays all of the Santana songs. I was like, oh, OK, well, can you come audition? I'm like, sure. I didn't have a drum set. I had nothing. Yeah. And I called my cousin and I said, hey, can I borrow your drum set? And he says, you don't even know how to play. And I said, I know, but I have an audition. I, but the most important thing is like, it's no big deal because they're playing Santana songs. I know that. That's not. I'll play drums. He goes, but you don't know how to play. I said, sure, I do. I know how to play everything. So I said, but the most important part, please teach me how to set the drums up and tear it down so I look like I know what I'm doing. There you go. There you go. So immediately you, you dive right in there. Um, and did you feel in that first moment then you set it up, you, you look like you knew what you were doing. How long did it take for you to get comfortable in terms of actually doing that? Because you started playing, you, you started playing drums there for some of the Santana songs, but with this band, but then you transition into percussion. And then how did that lead to actually going into the music business full throttle and leaving your athleticism behind. Yeah, 15. So I played okay. with that band. I was going to be 15. I yeah. played in that band for a little while. And then I realized switching over to congas in that band, I was I started with drum switching, and it was only for a short period of time. Playing percussion, all of a sudden I was like, man, I don't even, I'm just playing like crazy. And things just started coming out, you know, from all of the years listening to my dad. And then I realized that my musicianship went from, okay, I'm in this band to bing, yeah. instantly. And then I thought, wait a minute. And I didn't mean to say it like this. It's not like you guys were not great. They were, it was an incredible band. We had so much fun. But I thought, I want to do more. And then at 15, my dad's percussion player got sick, his other percussion player. And my dad was playing Tabali, so the, the guy playing Congress, Victor, got sick. And they were doing a show in San Francisco, and uh, it was for 3,000 people. And um, my dad didn't have anyone to play. And I was like, Daddy, let me play because I know all the songs. He's like, no, you're 15. You don't know. I said, no, but I know all the songs. And he knew I knew them. He, he kept saying no. So I went to my mom. I was like, Mommy, Daddy won't let me play. <laughs> and, uh, and I got my way. So we go to play the show. Um, 15 years old and you're in front of 3,000 people. Yeah, that was like the biggest. And that changed my life. That one show, that was it, that moment, playing with my dad. He had an 18-piece band. They were signed to Clive Davis. They were touring with Temptations, wow. Earth, Wind & Fire, and Stevie Wonder. So they were, And they were all signed to Clive Davis, except for Stevie, signed to Clive Davis. 
So they were touring together and they just happened to do this one-off here in San Francisco. So I play, I'm playing my dad motions to me, you know, take a solo. I'm like, oh my God, I get to take a solo. I'm like freaking out. I start playing. I close my eyes and again, very competitive. I love the high competing of winning, pushing myself. Um, This was another moment and another level of musicianship because this band, there's 18 pieces and I had to like sit up straight, you know, here I'm in a position of like, I'm proud. My daddy's letting me play. And it's like, oh my God. So I'm really like in, and when I go, I go and I close my eyes, started playing. And it's so strange because I literally had an out of body experience and I saw myself leave my body. I'm looking down at me playing in the room. Swear. This is not a dream. This is what happened. Uh, People think this is like, no, it really did happen. I saw myself playing and going, wait, what is going on? Why am I looking down at me playing and the people are listening to me? Next thing I know, I opened my eyes. I didn't know where I was. I heard nothing. It sounded like it was like I was in a dream, like it was silent. And I'm opening my eyes and it's almost like I woke up and I'm looking and I'm still playing a solo. And I'm looking and I hear the roar of the crowd. And all of a sudden I can hear the sound of the music, the band. And they're like, you know, playing. And I'm still playing. I'm going, oh, my God, I don't know what just happened. And I started getting chilled and I was shaking and I started crying. And I'm still taking a solo. My dad's looking at me like, what the heck? Your your dad's looking at you and saying, that's my girl right there. (laughs) You know, that's, that's what he's doing. Oh my God. And incredible. I, after that, we came off stage and I'm like, daddy, daddy, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be a musician. He's like, no, no, no. Uh, that was it. We hugged each other and we cried because I did, I never experienced any, to me, here's, here's what it was. I felt like that if I felt like I went to heaven, I felt like God had touched me and said, this is your gift. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. Like, here it is. And I, and I told my dad, I was like, if, he, if this is what heaven feels like, I want to be in heaven every single day because I have never experienced anything like that in my life. And I was like, I need to do this every day because I don't know what just happened. And two weeks later, went out on tour. Uh, my first time with my dad, the first time on a plane, we fly to Bogota, Colombia. Wow. That, that's incredible. 15 years old and your life changed immediately at that moment in time, out of body experience, look at yourself. You knew you were killing it at the time. Um, and I guess as a 15 year old, you're probably just fearless and you still are. Exactly. So, (laughs) so I know you well enough where you are. You're, you're fearless. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, Sheila, and then we're going to come back. And I know there's so much in between that. And then getting into the glamorous life, but we're going to dig into the glamorous life, okay? Okay. So everybody, sit tight. We'll be right back with Sheila E. after a short break, and then we're going to dig into glamorous life. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. All right, everybody. We're, we are back with Sheila E. And true to the name, we're going to get into the story behind the song of Glamorous Life after that great guided tour about how you got into this business at 15. And from that point, there is so much. I know there's so much between that point to getting to Glamorous Life, which was from your debut album of the same name that was released in 1984. So Tell us about the journey of getting into that song, because that was a song that was written by Prince. But you two were collaborating in the, in, a, in the lab together. So tell us about that. And just give us the story in your own words of how, how it all came to be in your debut album. Right. So what happened was um, I was giving song, songs to Prince uh, that I had written. And so at one point he said, you know, don't you want to do an album because you've been, at the time I was on tour with Lionel. He said, don't you want to just do your own thing? I was like, yeah. And he said, okay, well, let's do it. I was like, yeah, easier said than done. So anyway, he got me the deal instant, like instantly. We went into the studio, Sunset Sound. And so we started recording the record. We had a bunch of songs. We had ideas. Glamorous Life, I felt that we wrote together because I didn't, I'm hearing now still stories about how this song kind of came about because as far as I was concerned, we both wrote it because of the way that it came to me and how we had done it. And basically that song was almost the last song on the record. I, I, that was like the last song. And back in that time we recorded uh, on Glamorous Life uh, album, six songs. And so they were long, like, let's eat up the time. But there was no, like, you had to do a three-minute song. It was like, no, yeah. it's a 15-minute song, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So that he he brought me some of the music. And he, and again, like, I'm thinking we wrote this song together until, like, recently. Yeah. And uh, so he's playing the music. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, the percussion I want to put on it, like, this will be dope. And we're playing... So it was kind of left throughout the week and I could not think of a melody to put on Glamorous Life. I kept like, I don't know what to sing. I don't know what to, you know, because at the time I was still new in in writing songs. So you came up with the lyrics before you came up with the melody? No, no. The music was first. Okay. The music was first. Okay. Yeah. The music was first. And that's the problem with me when I first started writing a lot was, if I hear a song and there are no lyrics and I haven't written the lyrics or someone else, if we're collaborating, if I hear the song being an instrumental for too long, then that's what it is. I'm like lost. And yeah. again, early years, 
It's like, I don't hear a melody. I don't get it. So the music started coming together. And again, it's like we're in the studio nonstop. It's almost like a blur. Like I never even hardly went to sleep the whole week. We just nonstop doing this record. And I'm playing. I was like, I was like, okay, let me put all this percussion on it and stuff like that. And we're recording and and, um, he's doing the drum machine and, you know, uh, we were using the Lynn machine and oh, I have one back here anyway. You can't see yeah. it. So we're using that machine and I'm playing all this percussion. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a solo. And I'm always thinking about, okay, even in playing and taking a solo, I'm going to go for it. But at the same time, if you think about, okay, wait, I also have to shoot a video, you know? And so if I'm going, I might have to mimic what I just played, but yeah. it didn't matter because it's like, you have to hear what's going to happen. So the mentality for me in Glamorous Life is, this is a song. It's got to be very percussive. I'm putting everything into this one. And it's going to showcase me as a woman playing percussion, timbales, which a lot of people had not heard of. They did not know what timbales were. And to showcase me and then also sing and crossing over uh, using Latin elements to cross over into a pop song. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I, I signed as an R&B artist, but Glamorous Life crossed us over. So I'm playing the song, and then Prince is coming up with the melodies and doing all this stuff. And next thing you know, the, the song is done. But it was the last song on the record. The last song. And it's so crazy because it's simple. I tell everyone, it's like, I can teach anyone to play Glamorous Life because it's all the black keys. So there you go. It's it's a simple song. It's like a nursery rhyme in a sense. Da, 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 yeah. da. It's it's nursery rhyme. Since it was the last song that was recorded for this album, did you immediately know that you had struck gold with that one? Like lightning in a bottle? Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Because that, again, it was like, this is going to be the song that's going to introduce me. So the the interesting part is, when you sign a record deal, you sign with an A&R person as well, and they help you put the record together. That didn't yeah. happen with Prince. He just let me do whatever. Like, you know, I mean, I was used to doing that anyway. And we collaborated, and he was just like, man, we're, we're like, who's staying up the longest? We're going to get this done, you know? Yeah. Well, you were both, like, because he was, he was known as, like, this relentless worker like yourself, too. So you were you were working like day and we night in met, the studio, I would we met each other as as match because I I pushed him just as much as he pushed me. Like it was crazy. Like yeah. we were just like, who's staying up the longest? Who's doing? <laughs> you know, we were just like crazy. Like we literally, I was telling one of my security guys the other day. He was uh, with me during that time, and I remember him sitting out in the lobby like that, and just passed out. And then right. I'd have to wake him up. Come on, let's go. Well, I'm going to sleep three hours and I'm coming back. I'm just going to change, you know, like I wanted to get this record done. So we didn't sign to an a and I didn't. And I finished the record. I went to Burbank Studios to shoot the cover. And I actually just turned in the project to Warners. I didn't ask them any like, oh, I need help. I don't need any help. I know what I want. You know, I don't yeah. need any. No, I know what I want. I know I wanted to change my name because people were had problems with Escovito and how they would say it. So I just want to say this because turning in the record, Warner Brothers wanted me to release Bella St. Mark first. 
That was a cool song. I'm in yeah. love, I'm in love, I'm in love with the bell of St. Mark. It's a really fun song, right? Oh, and I was yeah. like, yeah. But the purpose behind Glamorous Life was to make sure that I featured myself as a percussionist. That was the song that was going to uh, announce who I was as a woman playing timbali. So we put it in and Warner Brothers like, no, we're going to, Bell of St. Mark is the first single. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's Glamorous Life. They're like, no, it's Bell of St. Mark. I said, no, it's Glamorous Life. And I said, listen, I'm playing timbali's. This is a solo. How many people do you know play timbales, playing a solo, a woman leading her band and play? And then they said, well, what are timbales? That's my point. Uh, how about Exactly. That? The label so, said, what are timbales? Right. So here's the thing. I said, okay, let me prove my point. They made me do a show. They, they didn't make me. They asked me because it made sense to do a showcase at yeah. Warner's in the courtyard to present to them what we were trying to do. I did the showcase. We released Glamorous Life as the first single. They got it. Because uh, there was they, no other woman. Because, because here's the thing. They said to me, okay, you're, this is a really great song. We'll use it as the second single. I said, no, it's got to be the first because I'm the only one doing what I'm doing. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, who can we give us someone else's name that that does what you do there is no other that is what i'm saying so glamorous life is the song that we created to showcase me as a percussion player and a woman playing a so-called male instrument yeah. and still being sexy and out there doing her thing how about that so again this is a fearless uh threat of yours because a lot of people they have their first uh big record that's coming out the label's telling them to do something and and i would say that the, the majority of people are going to want to please the label right and you said uh -uh, i'm going to do it my way and so i have a lot of questions about this first of all because i didn't ask you you were collaborating with prince and and you you collaborated on a number of songs one of my favorite songs by the way uh, i love this song erotic city is a great song and i think you sang backup vocals for that one correct you're in you're on the yeah cold lead and background yep yeah it's a that's a it's a great song um and i grew up in minneapolis and so like prince was near and dear to us right. you know, back in the day so i i didn't ask you i neglected to ask you when did you first and how did you first meet prince uh 1977 i think well before the first album yeah, he came to the Bay Area, and my dad was, again, in Santana at the time, and they were recording yeah. at a studio in San Francisco. Um, and Prince came there to record his first record. He wanted to be in the studio that Sly had recorded in, and Carlos, because he admired them so much. He loved the Bay Area musicians, and so he wanted to come to the Bay Area to do his first record. So he was there, and my dad came home and said, um, he said, wow, this young kid is next door. Uh, in the studio and he's recording his record. He looks like he's producing it and he's playing all the instruments. And I'm like, wow. I said, what's his name? He said, Prince. I said, really? Why? Wow, I can't wait to meet him. I said, Pops, I'm going to come to the studio. He goes, no, we're working. You can't come to the studio. So anyway, I end up seeing Prince first at a, I don't know if that was the first time I saw him at Al Jarreau concert at the Greek Theater. And we were mm. opposite ends and we both looked at each other like, and I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, who is that? That's who he is, right? And then I come back, I don't know how 
soon later, but I had a poster of him in my bedroom because my friend said that rec- the guy that you're talking about, the record came out. It, it just came out. I was like, okay. So I go to this place in Berkeley called Leopold's. I get the poster. I put it in my room on the wall because I had posters of everyone. I looked at it. And I said, I'm going to meet you someday. Watch. Right. Soon after he's playing San Francisco at a yeah. place called Circle Star. And I met him there backstage. How about that? Okay, so that was in like 1977. So then you collaborate on that. But I also neglected to ask you, when did you start first start singing? Because you were you, you were a a young queen of percussion <laughs> starting at when you were 15 years old. Um, and you had that that concert at 15 in front of 3000 people. But when did you actually start singing and feel comfortable singing? I was singing when I was younger, even in the local band that I, I, I played and sang, you know, little background and stuff. Um, when I did my, when I did Glamorous Life record, that, that was like the first time singing as a solo artist. Uh, I sang behind Lionel. I mean, here's a, a quick little story. But so when I was touring with Lionel in 83, he had the, the song with Diana Ross that was out. And so he wanted me to sing that song with him as the duet in his on his tour. And I'm like, Lionel, that's Diana Ross. There's no way I can sing. I can't do that. Like, I'm not even ready for that. So he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to put this thing together where she sings with him as they move throughout the stage. And he goes, look what I had to spend because you won't sing with me. <laughs> I wasn't comfortable then. So yeah. again, when I was growing up, all the money that I made, I would buy my own um, studio equipment to teach myself how to write, produce, sing, do everything like that. And so I still wasn't comfortable with singing. I always sang back up with George Duke, everyone else, right? And then to do my record, I wasn't fully comfortable. I had to just like, but this is me now. So I was like, I got to do this. Okay, I got to get this done. I'm, you know, and I'm still learning, you know, how to control my voice. I'm not a taught singer and I don't sing as a singer. I sing as a percussion player. Percussion is trying isn't to sing. That, isn't that interesting? It is totally. Because when I what I ended up doing on later songs that I had written on other albums, I would have uh, different singers sing the song for me. Uh, I would show them the song and they would sing it. And I learned how to sing past a beat because yeah. it's not that I sing in time. Yes. But I have to lay back and, and sing like a singer to pass that beat, I thought, that would help me to flow better as a singer. So there, I mean, I've learned so much. And that being said, I didn't get comfortable for a really long time. It took me a minute. And then because I know so many people that are singers that can sing, sing, sing. <laughs> and I'm known as a percussion player, but I love singing. And then I realized I had to accept that what I have is is not uh, it's who I am, who God created, and and this is what I can do, and I'm going to make the best of it, and don't limit myself to just because I'm not like a great singer, but there's things that I can do and make it fun and enjoy myself and experiment. Yeah, don't sell yourself short. My God, your first album comes out and you have the massive hits right from day one. And, and as a former percussionist, in a, like a poor man's percussionist <laughs> from back in the day, I know how hard it is to concentrate 
on per, doing your percussion work, but then singing on top of that yeah. is cr it's crazy. You know, that's that's a special skill to be able to do all that. So and pr pretty wild. Um, and then just one last thing about Glamorous Life, the lyrics. How did that come to you then as you were working those out? Because um, you, you mentioned a little bit about the fact that you wanted to have the percussion, like that was your life and you wanted that to come out. But did that just, okay, you had an idea, then it just started flowing from you? Well, again, this was an instrumental. It was hard for me to understand, but to hear it as a song that would be sung because I had a lot of songs that were instrumental because I couldn't think of melodies or sometimes I would, I mean, again, learning and creating and writing, the process is so different now from what it was then and to what it is now and yeah. realizing it's nice to just tell a story first. That story didn't come first. The music to me came first. So Prince was um, in tune with who, I am as a as a person, not just a musician, but as a person and how much I love my family and love is important to me. How important, like everything in my life is about love and is about, you know, your heart. And yeah. so basically saying, I, I do want to be a superstar. Absolutely. And it is glamorous and we're going to make it glamorous because there is no other woman playing percussion. And again, going back to the who said girls can't play drums into the, I said to him, I'm, I want to dress sexy. I, want, I know what I want to look like. I know what the band wants to look like. I'm going to change her hair. I'm going to cut his hair. I'm going <laughs> to color her hair. Oh, I was like, I know what it looks like. I've been waiting for this moment. Um, I went with his creative team and, and we figured it out. Being glamorous is like that's the that's the thing. Being glamorous and being sexy, playing drums is yeah. so sexy, right? But without love in glamorous life, without love, it doesn't mean anything. Without love, it ain't yeah. much. Yeah. It means yeah. nothing. And he that's knew great. that. It's like everything for me, and he knew how close he knows he then he knew how close I was with my family. And when I first brought him to see me play with my family so that he could see what Latin jazz music was, he had no idea, never heard it before in his life. He's like, huh. what is this Latin jazz? Are you kidding me? Like, where did you guys come from? So for him to see the camaraderie be between my dad and my brothers with a 12, 14 piece band playing Latin jazz, he's just, he was blown away. It just, it was never the same after that. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. So the love was so important. So again, that one song, we knew that direction, what had to happen. And again, I'm still learning about like all these songs that he had written. Uh, it may, even, I guess, when we first met. And, and again, there's, I know for a fact, there's way more than 200 songs that I played on that are in the vault. I don't even remember. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then before we... We're going to take a short break very soon, but I, I do have to ask, do you have a favorite memories of, because you were such kindred spirits, you and Prince, do you have a favorite memory or is that too difficult to identify one? But do you have a favorite Ooh. memory of Prince? Uh, favorite memory? No, I mean, I think the biggest, of course, we had fun being in the studio and playing and just jamming and creating. We just, you know, we'd set up the gear and we just start playing. And next thing you know, it's a song. Just sitting there, just playing. It, it, we would create like that. I think the most fun I always had really is competing with him. 
I was always trying to beat him at everything. And then he would compete with me, trying to beat me at everything. So that competitiveness between the two of us, like that was, that was the thing. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's very cool. Uh, thanks for taking us through that. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to get into the second song, Bylar, which is one of Sheila's latest songs or most recent songs. And so I'll ask her why she chose that. So just a few moments and we'll be right back. What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Okay, we are back, everybody, with Sheila E., the fearless Sheila E., queen of percussion. And now you know um, kind of uh, how, how her journey came to be. And Sheila, one, one thing I didn't ask you about, too, is that, as you said, you were this young woman getting into what many people thought was kind of a man's world of drums and percussion. Did you ever feel any kind of intimidation from that? Or did people try to intimidate you because you were a woman? Oh, absolutely. I wasn't intimidated. No, not at all. Very <laughs> confident in who I was. I did not have a problem. And, and uh, in fact, you know, in fact, you love the fact you love that, right? You, th you thrived I on did, that. I did. I did. Yeah. I did. No, I mean, you know, there were, there were things at the very beginning, once I left Oakland and started recording with other artists and, and flying to LA uh, in the studio being hired by other people. And then I'd walk into the room and the other drummers there, you know, and they would say nasty things or whatever. And uh, I mean, one time I walked in the guy, the drummer turned around and goes, Oh, Hey, can you give me a cup of coffee? And I'm like, wait, what? Uh, I, <laughs> I get it not yourself. The, yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm not the receptionist. I'll, however, I'll get you a cup of coffee. I'm the percussion player. They're like, what? You know? So that, that first beginning stage of trying to find out, find out who I was and, walking into a room and people not really knowing who I was, um, you know, a lot of bad things were said and, um, and the crazy offers. Oh my God. It was just very strange. But, um, I, you know, I talked to my, my parents about it and I think what for sure helped me a lot was having the confidence and that confidence came with my dad saying, be 15 minutes early, make sure you're on time. Um, learn all the music, whatever you have to learn, just be prepared. The preparation, once you know that, allows you to walk into a room with confidence because you're not going to stress out about anything. You're going to have fun because you're ready to go. And I love that. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. I think that that's so true. The, the, I, I think so many people underestimate the power and the importance of preparation for things, no matter what Absolutely. you do. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay, so let's break into the second song, all right? You, uh, I always ask uh, the icon, in this case, Sheila, your second song, any, any song of yours that you would like to discuss and tell us the story behind. You chose Bylar, the salsa version, from one of your recent singles. I think it was 2021, right? It was released uh-huh. last year. Yeah. And that song was co-written with B. Slade. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Okay. So tell me, tell us why you chose that song. Uh, I chose this song because this is the first time in my career thus far that I've ever recorded a salsa record or salsa song. Like I've played on other people's records, um, salsa records, you know, Mi Tierra with Gloria Stefan. You know, I've played with Tito Puentes when he was alive a lot. My dad and I um, jammed with Eddie Palmieri. I mean, a lot of groups, a lot of groups. And I've on my bucket list, which is like tons of pages of stuff, I had on there that I want to do a salsa record. So I said, well, let me release a salsa single first and see how it goes. And this song was written by B. Slade and I, uh, shoot, I don't know, seven years ago at least. And we released it as an R&B, maybe longer than that, but released it as an R&B on one of my other uh, records. And it went well in Europe. And so uh, I was talking to Tony Sukar, who's an amazing timbali player, percussionist, and producer, incredible arranger. And I said, I want to do a salsa record with you. I want you to produce the record with me. He's like, absolutely, right? And we've been talking about it for years. So we end up, he's like, let's, I said, here's some of the music that I have. He's like, let's do this one because he heard me play it. We, we played it live. And he's like, we should do this one and flip this. And I was like, yeah. So he came up with the arrangement and we had Luis Enrique, uh, myself, Tony and Michael Gabriel Beasley, you know, kind of collab with making this very salsa. Tony Sukar credited him uh, and Mark Quinones uh, for, for the arrangement of it. Just incredible. It's just something that I've always wanted. And my first time, like, I can't even believe, like, I'm going to be 65 this year. First time ever recording a salsa song for myself. Now, I don't speak great Spanish. I don't really understand a lot. It was great to have Luis Enrique. I love him so very much. He's a dear friend. And um, he's just like loving to be a part of this, uh, him and his producer as well. And uh, he just sang his butt off on this, you know, and it sounded incredible. And then I'm singing some of the backgrounds in Spanish, of course, and being able to do this and then film the video. It's a great video. I've never done this. Yeah, it's a Thank lot of you. a lot of energy. I've never done this. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and live. I mean, I can't wait to play it live. Well, I've done it live with the R and B version, but not the salsa version. So, I can't wait to do it. And again, on my bucket list, and and first time ever doing it. I just wanted to share it with people, and and people are kind of going crazy over it because they're like, "You've done salsa records before." I was like. Yeah, but not my own. This is a first, so I'm just excited. So is that going to lead to more? Yes, I'm actually doing an, an entire Okay, so record. tell us about that. And we, and, yeah, and so the, the dates whole, and all of that. Yeah, uh, I'm going to... We have the most of the songs and the ideas that we're ready to record. And so now we just have to pick the date because we kept pushing it. And then people getting sick and who's going... So Tony then now had a new baby and he's like, I'm going to be ready in about a month. And he's calling me going, I 
thought having a kid was going to be easy. Yeah, so, good luck with that. <laughs> so he's trying to get his life back together so we can get in the studio. So we, we should be starting possibly in about a month, and uh, we'll do the record. Um, and I'm really excited because the ideas of it, I do want to do a little bit of a tribute to Fanya All-Stars because I grew up listening to Fanya All-Stars, and that includes you know Ray Barreto, Johnny Pacheco, Celia Cruz, Tito Puente, I mean, so many people were a part of the Fania family, but I'm going to do one song, you know, that I, I love that represents that culture and also a song that my dad can play on to, to you know, represent him. And then I'm going to keep it in the vein of Like By Lar, which is keeping the element musically with that Bay Area sound, but a little bit of R&B mixed in the salsa. And because I think it, that makes it my own and not just straight strictly salsa that and it is the foundation of what that's going to be but making a little bit more spanglish as well okay so when you say bay, bay area sound what do you mean by that bay area sound is uh, a little bit everything it's a pot of gumbo okay <laughs> and you put gotcha. everything in it all the spices and you, you have that little flavor that you yeah. go what is that oakland ah <laughs> uh, there you go i like i like that okay yeah. so so your next project for music is going to be that. Um, tell us about touring. I know that, and I, I think you just had something called the Funk Fest with Morris Day, right? Yeah. And Morris Day, another great artist, and back in my hometown. So I got to do a shout out to Morris Day and the time back from Minneapolis because that was, you know, those were my days. Loved, loved the time. So what was that like at Funk Fest and playing again after people have been cooped up for such a long time yeah it was atlantic star and then myself and then morris and we had an incredible time it was sold out and people just partied oh my god i mean <laughs> after i was done playing um you know i was exhausted i mean i hit i did a 45 50 minute like we pared it down because there's three bands and yeah. if, and usually when there's two bands, we were able to play a little bit longer. So I pared it down and there was only, I think I stopped only one time to talk and it was just song after. So I segued through everything and then I did a Prince tribute at the end and they just went crazy. I, I, I had so much fun and by the time I got ready to bow, I'm introduced, I always introduce my band and they're coming forward, we're getting ready to take a bow. And I was so out of breath, and I looked at the bass player. I was like, and him on bass, like I couldn't even say his name. I was exhausted, and it was so much fun. And people were like, "Yeah!" And I said, "Hey, you know, I, I'm a little bit tired. I'm just getting back. Come on now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it together. I'm gonna be 65." And then I always close with this Mary J. Blige song with from the front of house that my guy plays in the front of house. And and I started dancing. They're like, go see it up, go see it up. It was just insane. I mean, it was a drop the mic performance with the whole band. We had so much fun. It wasn't. We had a standing ovation. I, what can I, I say? Well, I, I've no doubt. I've no doubt. Was, a lot of love. Was it well? So, given what you just described, was it brutal for you to during COVID to be stuck inside and not getting that kind of um, you know that kind of energy? Do you love touring? Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing for me is is a part of definitely do, being able to do both being in the studio and then playing live. I, that makes a perfect marriage for me. Like I need both. I It's hard to do one without the other. 
and yeah. and I miss one if I don't do the other. You know, it's it's the perfect marriage for me. And I didn't at the beginning I didn't miss it so much because we were so busy uh, in 2019. Like I think you know we were out almost 200 days. I don't know. We were wow. we did a lot, and it was nice to be home for a minute. And I enjoyed wow. it for about two three months. At, well, two months. The third month, I was like, this doesn't feel right. I, we, what is happening? And that's why then I started the Sheila E. television show, you know, Sheila E. TV. And, and I started getting creative. And I, and I got in the studio. And then after a while, I was like, this doesn't feel right. I, where, this is weird. Like, I need the people. I need to be fed. That's part of my food. I feel like I'm going, uh, you know, yeah. it was yeah. a little rough. Well, listen, you know, I know that um, Queen of Percussion broke new ground, fearless, played with all the legends, and they all played with you because they saw, they see you and saw you as their peer with the greatest names. And as we've talked about before, what a life. Meant to be a documentary. And, uh, you know, a little bird tells me that there may be a documentary in the, in the future coming out. So we'll look for that. <laughs> yes. But I, I want to get into, uh, before we close, lightning round. I want to ask you some things, okay? Okay. So, look, uh, it's going to be fast and furious, Sheila. <laughs> so, okay. your your favorite, your favorite career moment was there one? It could be anything, but is there yeah. anything that sticks out in your mind? That show that I explained earlier, fifteen years old with my dad, because that changed my life. That was the beginning yeah. of my my professional career. Makes sense. What are you proudest of in your body of work? Oh man! Uh, See, I I make it tough. Yeah, that, a... I would I would almost say maybe I haven't done it yet. Ah, I like that. I like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And if you didn't become, I, this one is a tough one for you because it was always in the cards. You know, just you started so young. But if you didn't become an artist or musician, what do you think you would be doing? Uh, tra- uh winning uh, gold medals. <laughs> yeah, uh, hands down. There was nothing else. It was being an athlete. But then God said, "No, you're going to get gold albums instead." See, it yeah, works hey, out. Ah, look, ah. for those of you who are listening, there's a full wall of gold records, <laughs> and th- and they're on all sides of the room. And we can only, for those of you who are watching, can only see one side, but it's on all sides. And then new artists that you admire. Are there any that stick out in your mind? Uh, I love her. She's from the Bay Area. Uh, yeah. She's amazing. I love her. I, there's so many. Um, Billie Eilish. I'm, she's incredible. Incredible. Man. Um, Becky G. Uh, wow. I. Uh, Bruno Mars. Anderson Pack. Um, Silk Silk Sonic are amazing. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Yeah. Uh, there's so many. Charlie. Wow. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a, and then there's a lot of like the neo soul type artists. There's so many. I should make the list because there's so many. When people ask me, I forget and I feel bad because they're, I, I follow so many people and I'm so inspired yeah. by the new music. I really am. It's very, well, that's very because, cool. you know, it's, well, it's part of your eclecticism in terms of music. Naturally, that makes sense that you're listening to all different sounds and different ideas and then different pieces. I would imagine you make it, you make them your own. You bring them mm-hmm. into what you're creating next. And then before we go, are there any other projects that we should know about? 
so besides the salsa record I'm getting ready to do, I'm also going to do a gospel record, inspirational record, I should say. And that's in the works. And right now I, I have 80, no, 75% of a dance record done. Uh, I also have, <laughs> I also just recorded about a month ago, maybe a month ago, uh, E-Train is my other band that I have, Sheila E and the E-Train. We d- cut that record in two days. So all I have wow. to do is do some vocals and percussion. And that's done. So I have like five records I'm working on. Well, everybody should uh, look for you on social media. Follow Sheila E. An amazing career so far. And there's so much that's going to be coming. Sheila, it was delightful to spend some time with you and get the stories behind those two wonderful songs. But also just about the journey of your life and all the great things you've done. Um, Thank you. So congratulations on all that. Welcome to the story of the sound and everybody out there. Join me next month for another episode with another icon, music icon, but Sheila, he's wonderful. And thank you. Thank you. That was music icon and queen of percussion herself, Sheila E sharing her in-depth story behind her breakout pop hit glamorous life and her most recent single from last year, the salsa version of Bailar. I'm your host, Peter Chotti. You can follow me on Twitter at P Chotti. That's P C like cat, S like Sam, A like apple, T like Tom, H like Harry, Y like yellow, and at deepcutsmedia.com. For more of the story behind the song, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and tune in on the third Monday of every month for new episodes. Also, make sure you're following the Consequence Podcast Network to keep up to date with all our series at consequence.net forward slash consequence dash podcast dash network. And as always, thanks for listening to the story behind the song. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.